When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne, our editor-in-chief. And together, this is our What's the Headline podcast. And today, we have the honor and privilege of sitting down with one of our favorite MCs, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment's own Evidence. Ev. What's poppin'? Yo, it's good to see you, man. Likewise. Yo. Pretty good. The album, incredible. Incredible. I probably listened to it six times in the last 24 hours. Uh, lyrically, like just like stands with your best man, musically, everything like it's really, really amazing. So, thank you. Yeah, I was scared of today of this one, so um, you've officially made my day. <laughs> I'm like, All right, fuck, man, I got through the first couple clean. I'm like, Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, because y'all, you know, you, you showed a lot of support, and I really appreciate your platform. So, like, appreciate that, bro. For real. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'm Reggie, as you know. You got Jake, and this is our What's the Headline podcast. We didn't have this last time we talked to you. This is something we started about a year ago. We've been going hard with it, so it's a pleasure to have you as a guest, man. Any rules or restriction? Zero. Nah, yeah. just just be you. That's it, man. That's it. So we'll kick it off. The album is Unlearning, Volume 1. And this is your first, you know, you've had the weather series for quite some time. This is your first one outside of that series. So how did you approach making the album differently? Um, I think my life dictated it. You know, I um, been an interesting couple uh, couple years for me, honestly, crazy. You know, if you if you follow the weather, uh, whether or not record it left on that note, and for people who didn't, who was, you know, dealing with um, having a son and my son's mom getting sick with with cancer and fighting it and beating it and then it was really optimistic and then in the course after the record things didn't work out the way we all had set our minds that it was going to be and we we lost her and the adjustments that came with that and so I've really worked hard through that whole time um, and some of it was borderline iffy on sharing and then other songs were more obvious like this could fly but when I started um, asking myself, like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, the only reason I wouldn't share everything is if it didn't give off at the end some kind of feel of light at the end of the tunnel or strength and, and positivity. And everyone I played it for when I assembled it, because I had a lot of different songs, this batch, which became volume one, um, everyone was like, no, nah, I don't get that from it. I get, I get mature and I get strength. Out of it. And so then I was like, okay, I'll let it rock then. Mm. And so, so more like, um, that, that was the basis. Then, then the unlearning part comes into curve because I'm seeing an evolution happening. I'm focused, I'm dialed in with what's going on around me in my environment, new styles have come into play, um, things that weren't, on my radar years ago or now on my radar i've been you know exposed to different things and i'm a sponge and inspired and so how to take in a lot of the things that i thought were the rules 
of, of music making and I'm seeing people bend and it's their rules is their new way. How do I tell my mind to, to start to throw some things out the window that I might've always held as like the standard of how I have to make a record. And so with that comes the possibility of all kinds of things. So I figured the best way to do it for me would be to strip it back down and treat this as it's something new as the opening would be for something new. And what's the opening for something new? Usually a demo or usually a first record that wasn't recorded in the big studio or a lot of things like that. And so I, I had to unlearn the, the cleanliness that I know of the snare drum and, the, and, the, and a lot of things where I was like, no, okay, maybe we don't re-kick these vocals. I leave demo vocals on this time. Things that I do that even though it might not seem like this huge evolution, there was a lot of nuance that is huge in, in just those decisions. And um, I'm not gonna put rocker, I'm not gonna put slug on this album. I'm not gonna do anything, thick staples on my solo records that have been there every time. I might have one Alchemist track, fuck it. It's like, you know what I mean? Cause I, you know, just shit to scare the shit out of yourself basically. And, and um, I've been preaching this to everybody. I did a Brother Ali record, produced it and I made him do this. So I'm like, how am I gonna tell everybody this and then just go get, 14 bangers that just like the beat is already winning before you start rapping you know what I mean I was like no okay let me not take one of these alchemist beats that it's just like such a winner that I get every time let me try to be the star of it and you know just a different approach in a lot of ways where if you don't know me it might not come across at that but if you've been following me these are for me were bold decisions in, in trying to create something new yeah, you mentioned new things on your radar that stuck to you. What, what, what were some of those things? Well, I mean, since I put out the last album, a lot's happened, right? So what was it? When was my last album? 2017. 18-something. Yeah. 18. Come on, come on, come on. Let me get that here. <laughs> 18. Yeah. Um, but January, right? And so the beginning of 18. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And so Throw It All Away came out at the end of 2017. So. Yeah. Um, since then, God, you know as well as I do what's happening. You know what I'm saying? There's just been a lot of underground shit and not even, uh, fuck underground. There's a lot of DIY shit going on. People are moving and controlling their narrative uh, without a middleman. And so you're getting a lot of raw shit. Those are the people that I've been affected by, which is Navy Blue, which is Fly Anakin, which is Conway, which is Bolty James, which is all the people who are on my record. You know, and so, and I've been embraced by them. I've been producing Navy Blue and I was lucky enough to be on Gray October on Price of Tea in China. And uh, fuck, you know, I'm humbled and, 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 you know, it just keeps me so excited that it's like, these are people that I fuck with. And then in turn, I'm, I'm getting love back. And, you know, in an argument, people were like, yo, you, you legend, bro, or you, you've been around or nah, but it's not, not if you're really trying to be on someone's level, you can't use any of that shit. All that shit is dead. Cause then they're going to look at you you different and so i feel like i have an honest working relationship and and on top of that the production working with v john mr green uh q3 from philly right like uh knots of course and and alchemist of course but you know just derringer for the first time and uh, animos and I'm, I'm trying to make sure i don't fuck up <laughs> yeah. yeah like I'm, I'm taking i'm i'm just doing new shit because i feel all these people yeah. And so now that not a thing was mailed in, Conway was mailed in, but, you know, I built with Conway so many times that didn't have to, we even knew we were going 
and say the first line of the rhyme the same way. You know, everything else was here at Al's crib. And um, yeah, the, the, the songs that I chose to put together to make this volume one um, were all important to me for, for different reasons. I could have maybe looking back at it, okay, maybe I could have some more performance driven shit or maybe I could, but to be honest, I didn't really, if I'm going back to the beginning when you first started and I'm starting to trying to make something new, call it unlearning, anybody who was in that place they didn't have shows yet they nobody was going to see them when they were making that record and so demo vocals got kept and two tracks got laid instead of separating beats and shit like that happened basically you have that line too of like you like the feedback in the sample like i mean i think that might even play into what you're saying too of like embrace the quote-unquote flaws it's the only music you can do that so I'm using your phone can go off during your verse and you keep the tape you know what I mean it's rap it's 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 not based on somebody was taking two turntables and making something repeat because there was no sampler yet and, and this is amazing and then the party's not working so they're speeding it up a little bit and now it's out of key but it's fucking working <laughs> you know what I mean it's like yo now someone's dancing someone's on the mic and it's like hip-hop to me is is like it's fuck shit and I say that with the utmost respect but it's it's not meant to be following every rule and not everything needs to be in a in a in a correct that a, a band could replay some shit should be wrong about it you know what I mean? you uh ev you mentioned the conway verse and i really believe that you were one of the established veterans who really ushered in griselda for a lot of years i mean you know you you produced for wes you had mac homie on the last album with a breakthrough appearance Almost four years later, I mean, it's great to see that chemistry carry out, like you said, even with Conway's verse on this album, you know, on paper and and Boldy, of course, too. On paper, people might not feel that you and Conway would be rapping, you know, like on the same track, just given the way that subject matter works. But with all of these artists, with Boldy, with Con, with with Mac, you, you do it. Is there a finesse to, you know, those type of collaborations as an artist or as a producer? You just have to be you. Usually the best thing for me is to do my part first, you know, because, um, yeah, it's tough. You know what I mean? And I, I think, you know, I have that part at the end of part of me where I have the M2 May sample where he's talking about uh, innovation. I mean, uh, imitation, emulation, innovation. And it's like, that's really true to where I'm trying to move towards. You know, it's like that, that, um, the imitation part has been gone for me for a long time. I, I, haven't, I haven't imitated anybody for, for a beat or for rapping just for a long time. You know, not even so much where like you write someone's verse down on paper just to see what their cadence looks like. So you're like, oh, okay, kind of Biggie or Jay-Z or some shit. Like not even that, nothing. And so I, I, I moved past that, but I still was in that emulation place where I was like, I, I've resonated with that so much. That's why I put it on there. It was like, I still cared a little bit if Rocka is going to be like this or if Babu is going to say, yeah, I'm going to spin that for you. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. or this, this is going to work at the show, you know, or, you know, I still thought about those things. So moving into the, the innovation part is like kind of where you're like, yo, I made a beat today and this is what I made. Alchemist always said, did you make that beat or did the beat make you? <laughs> and I'm like, right, right, right. Because Al's always like, you like this beat? Cool, let's turn it off and I'll make you another one better right now. But you're always like, nah, nah, I want that one. He's like, why? If I made that, I didn't, I made that. It didn't make me, I'll make it up. You know, and so like that mentality. And uh, and, and so that, I think that starts to allow you, 
you know, I really felt it for the first time. It's funny when I rhymed with Elzai on the, the layover EP I had where I really loved my verse. And then he came in doing the wildest rhyme scheme. Go, re go revisit that Elzai verse. If you, it's not one of the best ones, man. It's so crazy. But I still love what I did. And I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to like, you know, like what you do and, and sit next to something that's obviously a lot more technical. But you know, mm. you know, I still, I still feel like, let's go, you know? And so I, feel, I still, I've been carrying that over more lately, uh, rhyming with Navy Blue, who I really look up to, um, you know, rhyming with these guys, they're, they're no joke. And so I think just to be me and put my best card down and play it, even if it's not 21, is still like, it's a good hand still. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Biggie and Jay-Z on Shark Smell Blood. You said a lot of your traits come from Brooklyn. Yeah. So uh, in the later songs, you, you mentioned um, Biggie and, and, and Kane. Who are some of your, your favorite Brooklyn MCs? I think those those are the two. Jay-Z and Kane. Biggie, Jay-Z, Kane. After that, tough one it's a tough one yeah that's tough fuck um that, that's that's my before i get off the get off the interview answer. <laughs> yeah. okay yeah i mean you ride hard for venice, one of those. Right? get one of those every interview you get one of those yeah you ride hard for venice you know all the time in cali but how has new york influenced you as an artist and a person generally new york yeah my family is from is from Brooklyn on my father's side and my mother's both sides were from Brooklyn. Um, my fam, my father's side still there. And um, for me, every summer going when I was young, elementary school through early junior high, but like super powerful years was summer in Brooklyn. OK. So, yeah, my cousins, all that type of shit, just getting a lot of New York influence the funny part is you know as as you if you're from new york you know it's like i thought where they lived in brooklyn was new york because they didn't leave there and they didn't go anywhere else and they all worked there and had dinner together there and i thought that was it so i would come back to california like yo new york is fucking crazy right but i'm like talking about coney island and shit and it's like it's so fucked up it's like i didn't even know until i got older what new york really was you know so but it definitely, it shaped me. I, I felt different than the rest of my kids at school. Like yeah. my homies, I felt like I did something different than they did at summer. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, that probably, yeah, rap music was crazy to see rap music first, you know, from at that time to hear Run DMC on the radio in New York, you know, it's different than like hearing about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, um, Ev, you're a visual artist too. I mean, just with photography and everything else, the artwork, for this album is a puzzle, correct? Yeah, where the wrong pieces fit the right things. Right. So it's Brent, Brent Rollins is, you know, he designed the dilated logo. He designed my EV logo. He's done Ego Trip and everything else great. Boys in the Hood and Poetic Justice logo. I mean, he's just a, one of the goats, you know? And so I asked him to be involved and he did. And um, he, he had that idea. There's a jazz cover, Gary Burton record I put it in the corner of the album cover on the floor. And that's where we got the idea of like many, many different me's because on that he's playing the xylophone in like in a bunch of different ways. 
like a slow shutter. And so we had that idea. I put the record there as like an Easter egg or egg, whatever the fuck they call it, a clue. And uh, and then um, he he came up with, well, if it's unlearning, what about like uh, a piece from your wall fits your head or your turntable fits where the mixer is. And so the, it's the correct pieces, the wrong image, unlearning, right? And so I was like, oh man, crazy for that. That, that concept. That concept even had me wondering, like more than any artist I can think of at your level, you really roll out albums, you know, and I even hate that verb, but like you will put out a single, um, you know, months before we get the final product and then another one and then a visual. As an artist, do you like that aspect? Because I was thinking when I saw the puzzle of like you start to put the pieces together to get the big picture, which is like the way that music and album making could maybe should be. Is that the way you approach things when you kind of begin this process sometimes six months out? Yeah, the, 100%. And, and, and yes. And then on top of it, the to me, people didn't know is I really, I fought hard and like I lost the battle and I'll concede because it, it was stupid now that I look back. But I really wanted this album to be one ID. <laughs> I was like, yo, I just want it to be 40 minute ID. Is there anything, can we do that? You know, and they're like, we talked about it for a while and everything. And it's not possible, just streaming and it's just not smart. But the, I really crafted this one to try to be um, how I would perform in the sense that not every song is, I do, when I perform, I don't do three verses of every song or I don't do every chorus of everything. It, it would get monotonous. So, you know, you, your DJ, boom, or and boom, and then something else. And so I did that with this record because I just felt like on learning, I, I should really live up to that if I'm going to call it that and so you got things that are one verse you got things that are three but I really like the way it plays and so this one was tough for me to break up because I was like fuck I well then and then they so I was like what I'll do is do first put out videos for songs that wouldn't typically be singles and so things that I would be quote-unquote album cuts are now going to be my singles right and so I got to give Rhyme Slayers props, you know, they're really open to to do whatever you want, if that's your vision. And so they, they let us roll out like that. And um, yeah, you know, I shout out to I think oh, go together. I got it. I've been dropping them every three weeks on the day. So there's another one coming day before the album. Okay. And then I got four more shot already. So I felt like, okay, touring isn't happening crazy. So what I'm gonna do is to treat every song special, and make a visual for each one and just continue to roll them out throughout the year. And there'll be a lot of people who might end up picking up on a song and not even realizing it's from an album. But mm. I feel like, what are the rules? So when you're starting an album, do you usually go with a track that you produce first and that inspires you know, the sound and you build from there? Or do you, you're know, you inspired by someone else's track? Like, how does that process work? I think it's been different every time. I don't think there's a rule to that. I don't. Uh, on this one, the Where Are We Going From Here, the last song was the first song. I did. I, I've been performing that song for almost two years. Cold. Like in the middle of my set, I'll just drop it. There's a long eight bar intro on it. I don't ask anyone to get excited or do anything. I stand there and then I, I rhyme it. And um, at the end of the second verse, I never performed the third verse, but I, at the end of the second, when it goes into the chorus, so where are we going from here? Been a hell of a day, been a hell of a year. And then we stop it. The crowd would, would it would we get the same applause no matter where I went at the same exact same reaction. Like it wasn't like, no, you're murdering a reaction. It wasn't like, it was just this like, um, 
yeah like like a performance reaction like like at a play or some shit <laughs> so i was like Yo, okay this is this is a new thing i've never seen anyone react like this before I felt mature so I, that was the song produced by seb and he did shark smell blood my man said he was one of the illest from switzerland yeah. um and so yeah that i would say that on this album it was that song so on better you you say chord progressions go directions that are not for the norm can yeah. you describe the production style that inspires you the most as a lyricist? AJ Premier. Mm. Is 100%. it dark chords? Is it like I mean, you 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 black out on those those tracks that that you know seem to be a little. Uh, I see the thing. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, these latencies are crazy. For anybody watching, we're on yeah, like yeah. one latency, millisecond late. Go ahead. Yeah, it seems to be dark chord pro progressions. And like you said, you know, more complicated than like what you're going to find on a pop song, even though you did shout out to like uh, uh, the Tupac, I ain't mad at you. You know what I mean? Uh, but <laughs> if I want to blow up, <laughs> right. I need some shit like that. Right, know? right. Um, so so what is it about that style that like that that, that gravitates towards you? I think it's my lack of music knowledge. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I can sit down to a piano and mess around, but if it's out of key, you know, I couldn't tell you, or a lot of times I gravitate to, to beats that producers play. And then I have someone who is into music who listens and go, all oh, your beats are, you know, they're all F. That's fucking crazy, right? You know what I mean? Uh, oh, really? Oh, you must gravitate towards that. Crazy. So, yeah, uh, like I said earlier, like speeding a record up on the turntable, making it plus two and three quarters, it's not in the key now. If you bring a musician in to try to play, they're going to have to detune or you're going to have to move your beat to a key. And so that's what I love about hip hop. DJ Premier, especially around like J. Rue the Damager, Group Home, Hard to Earn time, where there was a lot of shit to me that it wasn't like all the way musically correct. This shit can't be fucked with to me. It's just because his ear is so it's like him. If you know him, it's just like it's it's a thing. And and the DJing aspect of it, like premier shit, sometimes he'll speed it up. It's like he almost DJs his loops onto his drums. You know, that's how I always took like, oh, it's slowing down, Oops, speed it up a little bit, right? Like, and so that it, it was like fuck shit, you know, just like at the highest level. And so yeah, that's what I always gravitated towards. You know, and, there, and there's a track, you talk about speeding it up. There's a track, um, I'm trying to remember which one it is, where you start with a sample and then it sounds like you slow it down. But is it the same sample and then it comes back in the end and you go back to, to what you started with? You know you know the track I'm talking about? Um, yeah, Danger. So that's uh, Mr. Green track. It's featuring Merkage Dave, man, from so, uh, the UK. So, yeah. so. Yeah, that shit is crazy. It's live music. That's not a sample. And... Um, he sent, because it's live, he sent me four or five beats made from the same bed of music that were different. Like, here's what this beat sounds like this way, or this is what it sounds like this way. It just has options for me to choose from. And I just put them all in the Pro Tools and kind of tried to make them work together. And now that's a perfect example because the they're out of, they're different keys, you know, and I'm not aware of that, of yeah. course. And so I'm just like, I like the way this shit sounds. And so, and now we have this, you know, and so sometimes, you know, um, just trust in your gut. I don't know if it's musically right or like a band could play it, but I know that something there. 
Yeah, no, that, that you know, and, and in all fairness, everyone's on that right now. Everyone's bending the fucking samples and everything's wobbly. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, have, we published an article a few years ago talking about how, you know, MCs in their forties were making not only some of the best music in hip hop, but the best music of their careers. And, and Royce is a great example of that you know, Fonte, arguably Jay-Z, I think you fall into that category. And you mentioned a moment ago, like, not acting like an OG veteran when you're around, you know, these, these, these newer or younger guys. Um, on Better You, you know, you call yourself an up-and-comer. Was there a point in your career where you kind of hit the restart button to have that outlook or that perspective? I did, but my artistry didn't align with it. Um... But yeah, starting going solo. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I changed everything, man. And, you know, some of it maybe not even fair to Rocker because like in a group, I didn't want to do this shit. But now that I'm solo, oh, you're doing that shit? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But really, it was because I was like, yo, if I'm going to start over, then I need to do all the shit that the beginners do when they start. And that's my mind. I think I'm coming to my third one right now, third life. That's why I said third life, see eras, right? And so it was like, I think this is the third turn. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be around alchemists a lot and a lot of people who are proving to me that it's possible, you know? So that's super encouraging. Um, and I, I, I am agreeing some of these artists are making really good music in their upper 30s and early 40s now and we never really saw that because rap was young and it was driven by majors so once your time went away on a major that was kind of it but right now that's not the case because it's like or maybe we're all living in a niche world right here a niche little niche world and we're all dialed in and there's other people who have no idea what makami is right but mm. if you like makami that shit is very important yeah. <laughs> trust me you know what i'm saying and so maybe maybe it is about focusing on what you got and really building that out. And with that said, you got to do a lot of shit you wouldn't be willing to do. So dilated, we graduated to tour busing. Now I'm doing evidence shit and I'm sitting in the back of a van with somebody and I'm, I'm being humbled. <laughs> and then it's like, and that's really still some first world bullshit, like no real problem here, but for an artist who's like achieved some shit, you know what I mean? Or I, or better yet, I was doing, house of blues and now i'm solo and i'm doing the viper room which is 150 people you know what i'm saying and so i think to really start those to start all that shit and you can't shortchange the, the steps and it, i i do think it's something i've been willing to do in these times of of um bringing something new to myself for my career yeah you know one of the things you say on talking to the audience I'd rather hear vocals with emotion recorded poorly than some clean shit with no feeling. You know, I find that so many MCs can rap a whole song and not say anything, but you can just deliver a concept that's so powerful in a half a bar. Like literally, like, so is that something intentional you've been focusing on? Just like, you know, dropping these concepts that are just going to make people's heads spin with that half a bar without having to go overboard with it? You know who was my favorite at that shit, man? Rest in peace, Sean Price, man. He could say the wildest shit in the shortest amount of time, man. 
he say one word, Bafashiki. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, the ver- anybody coming after him is dead. He said one word. You know what I mean? But there's so much power in um, in simplicity, which is why choruses sell music, right? Because it's like that's the part that everyone gravitates toward the, the, the least amount of words and the most repetitive part. But um, yeah, so if I'm not going to be having choruses and not going to be having 16, 8, 16, 8, 16, 8, and I'm going to need to say some some shit to get in and out. I'm going to be rapping with Boldy James, whose rhythm is just on another level, and I'd better be saying some some potent shit. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, most, most, most artists, I start... You know, I'm I'm typical. I'll go with the beat, and I go with the flow, and then I'll get to the lyrics afterwards. Yours, oh, yeah. I go straight to the lyrics. I gotta go headphones. I gotta really, really like zone in and and, and focus. You know, um, so you started off, and you acknowledged something really, you know, powerful in your life. And you know, first of all, I want to express, you know, that I'm I'm sorry, you know, for your loss. Appreciate. It. Thank you, man. I, I gotta say that that Taylor made suit like when when I heard that song that was one I had to like just sit down and just go shit you know like um you know you talked about your conversations with your inner circle and things like that the word I would use for it is courage you know what I mean like not a, not many people have the kind of courage to talk about this on wax you know so one of the things you said well first of all I, I want to know how you found that courage to put your deepest stuff going on into the music what's so crazy is when you i don't know if other writers will agree people who, who you know who are writing shit down but when you're going through wild shit it's really hard to pretend you're you're not and so i don't know if fonte somebody somebody I, a while back said it and it just resonated with me crazy is like the hardest you could you could lie about your money how many bitches you got, wild shit, expensive, extravagant, envy. You could rap about all that. It's really hard when you're not happy to rap about being happy. It's like the, it's just weird. It's the hardest front out of all of them to me. It's, I think when you're happy, it's easy to rap about being sad because you can go back. But when you're down to rap about like, oh, today is the shit. <laughs> Nobody could serve me and woo, wait till you hear this shit and all that. It's not coming. So what is coming? This other shit. And then you're like, well, this rhyme seemed to work out. I seem to write this shit really fucking easily right now. And then I show it to somebody and then they're like, I feel you, bro, but yo, come on, man. Like, you know, and then I'm like, oh, you're right, man. Fuck. I I shouldn't. Yeah, I'm going to bring people down. Fuck. I shouldn't do that. And then so then I keep trying to write shit, but it ain't coming because it ain't what's happening right now. And so then I'm like, you know what, y'all, fuck what you told me. Because <laughs> why? Because I'm, because you're not going through that, you know? So then I'm like, well, then here it is. And then, but I had to put something positive on it. You know, I really did. What I took from them was, you know, we want to see you doing good, really. We don't want to hear about it. And so I, I do feel like there is strength in all these songs, even when they're not me at my, at my strongest. Yeah, man, it, it lets us know we're not alone you know what i mean we're, we're, a lot of us are going through shit. i just lost someone really close to me yesterday you know what i mean and um hearing you talk about stuff like being mr mom you know when jake and i were talking about timing i was like yo like gotta be wrapped by x amount of time because i gotta go pick my son up for basketball from uh, baseball practice like these are real things that men you know especially men in in 40s and, and you know are, are, are dealing with so I commend it. You know, on part of me, you said your son gave you more living. 
what can you talk about some ways that he's inspired you yeah well i mean i think the the obvious way would be you know you're passing your seed down to somebody else they're going to take they're going to continue your legacy when you're not here so i think that's the obvious and then everything else that comes with it is like as anybody knows who has children is like you're not first and so you got to bottle up what you're dealing with, throw it to the side, be strong for this person here, share with them when you feel it's right, not share when you need to be strong for them and let them enjoy their childhood as they should. Um, so that, that made me toughen up my, what, toughen up your upper lip. Is that what it is? You know what I mean? Or what, that made me do that, you know? And so instead of balling, going into a corner and just feel bad for me, it's like, no, fuck that. I need to, I got this. And so, I believe he's uh, he's keeping me going, you know, and my friends, my and my good friends. Yeah, yeah, you know. So throw it all away was one of my favorite songs from the last album. I probably listened to it um, every week, at least five times a week for about ten months, something like that. Like like for real, for real, heavy rotation, you know. Um, and there's a theme in that about money not being the end all be all, and you, you continue that a lot on this, you know, you say on all money, 1983, uh, you make it clear that's the case. And, you know, so what are some of the things you value more than money? I know peace is one of them because you said that on loss and time part jams, but what are some of the other things? Um, time is the most valuable. Um, I think yeah throw it all away is like you know i got some money i'm gonna blow it all today kind of like um it's young you know what i mean it's like how we all felt got a paycheck fuck that we're gonna go why another one will come don't worry you know that shit and then now it's like all money is not good money it's like kind of more about knowing your worth i would say um and i don't want to offend but it's just like you know there's a lot of things you do Sometimes when you feel like, yo, I, I'm just, I'm doing this for money right now. That's it. You know, this is not where it's at. And those things don't, when time goes on and you look back on those things, they don't pay off as much. Now, I understand everybody has to make a living. So it's like, you can't shit on people for doing shit. We all do shit we don't want to do. And I really wanted to um, just say, I, I know what I'm worth and, and, and hold myself as that. Hmm. I thought it's so interesting that you reveal in lyrics that you were named after Michael Corleone. I mean, that's true. Like your parents love that movie. Facts. 100%. My mom loved Al Pacino, you know, oh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, you know, that movie probably was like the one. And then, yeah, meeting him when I was young in 1983, which was why it was called that. And yeah, and that was the craziest shit. Um, the same year as Scarface. That's nuts. That's when you met him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yo, this is the guy from the thing. Like, what the fuck? You know, and he's telling me I got a nice jacket. Huh? <laughs> what, uh, fire. <laughs> yeah. What I wanted to ask you too, I mean, you have, Reggie was talking about some of the profound bars that you spit. You have a line that I just keep coming back to. I saved the roach. Rainy days are upon us. Um, to me, that feels like something I would get in like great literature, you know, but you know, like seriously, what are, you know, you're very clear about your musical influences and you pay these allusions in your lyrics to yes, to, you know, you know Professor X, to, you know, on and on and on, J-Lib. What are some of your influences beyond music? Um, influences as far as like 
like inspirations, you know, like people, people, or just in terms of like, like making your art, maybe it could be a photographer. Oh yeah. Word. Well, yeah. (laughs) Weed, um, weed is huge. Uh, Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I I love sports. I mean, playing it coming up. So I I think I, I don't know about the people who are great at what they do in their field, basically. So like, at a point in my life, Daryl Strawberry was as great as DJ Premier, right? Or somebody, or, you know, it's just like, um, I, I admire people who are, who love and are great at what they do. Word. That inspires me. Um, my environment inspires me. Traveling inspires me. Um, I'm in, so I, I use the word jealousy a lot and somebody told me to stop using it, so I will, but I like when I get jealous. I haven't thought of a better word since, but maybe it's not jealous, but I like when I get fucked up by some shit. I love that feeling. Um, Like, damn, I wish I did that. Like, oh shit. You know what I mean? It's not a bad jealous. It's like, maybe there's a better word for it, you know, but- um, Motivation, motivation, right? It's motivating, you know what I mean? But I don't, I guess that's motivation. I'm inspired by that. a lot of things, yeah, and photography and visual shit super inspires me. Um, I believe that visuals are everything. And I know that because I hated Country Grammar by Nelly and I saw the video and I liked the fucking song. <laughs> and, <Word. laughs> and so it was the visual that did. I got to see him in his element and how they were doing their dance and it all clicked. I was like, oh, that's why. And so I believe visual is very powerful. I was introduced what made me want to do rap was probably the most would be the rap city, Yom TV rap era. Mm-hmm. And so I was introduced to special ed, but I was also seeing his video the first time I was hearing the song mm-hmm. and the DOC first time I was hearing it, I was seeing it. It's like, what if I had just heard that? Would I have felt it the same way? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was everything coming together. And so visual to me is very powerful. Absolutely. You've um, you've mentioned Premiere a few times. I want to ask you, just because we're we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of Expansion Team, I believe Raka told me one time, you know, you guys made it a point um, to work in D&D for part of that album, you know, Beat Miners, Gangstar, um, you know, and it really translated into the sound. What do you remember of that time, especially knowing, you know, how much New York means to you? It was the moment of, of it. It's probably still the best moment, you know, because the sound is what we were chasing we went to the if you like how bootsy plays you shouldn't find a keyboard sound you should find a guitar he was using you know what i mean and so we were at the thing with eddie sancho and with premiere at at the in the b room with the the board that does this and it was to me it was like going directly to the fucking source and we were in the beat miners room with karen walsh and karen walsh was his name and they um, their sound was being, and everything was like pure. It was exactly how it was supposed to be. And then we had all three rooms. So it was just like, yo, this is um, it's what we set out to do and we're here. And so the sound of that place was really unique. Um, yeah, it can't be duplicated till today. It was just crazy. Yeah, and that was just, it was just, I was young, you know? I had, I had a chick with me i was like excited <laughs> the whole shit yeah. <laughs> everything you know what i mean like the, everything about it was just crazy yeah and we did worse come to worst 
live on stage and um, trade money with beat miners and clockwork with premier self-defense with juju all in that time right there oh snap that's crazy yeah you know and all that said you say i took the day to write and the night to think is you know most artists you know you hear you know working through the night you know sun's coming up is that a change in your creative process all the best shit happens right when you fucking wake up hit the first joint first thought then you capture it end of the day you're dead unless you took a nap you're you're spent you know done yeah done <laughs> at least where i work for me at night i'd rather watch something you know have my little notes out or things like that and gather more um for for writing for beats yeah i might make something late you know, yeah start with something yeah that's got to help with, with you know taking care of your son too you know so for those out there how would you what what advice would you give in balancing life and career I'm fucking, you tell, you guys help me out. I'm learning every day. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not pro yet. That's for sure. Y'all are, whoever has older kids and did it right, you you help me out. But um, I'm, my situation is unique. And so I'm trying, I'm doing what feels true to me. Uh, touring is going to become an obstacle in the future as he gets into first grade and things like that, uh, where, you know, he can't miss school. Mm-hmm. And uh, in preschool, it's more flexible right now. You know Yeah. You know what I mean, but uh, it's going to get tough. So I'll, it'll just, it'll work itself out. But uh, what I'm doing right now is um, I'm keeping him as long as I can deal with him. And when I keep him, and I mean that like five, four or five days in a row, I don't do anything else. There's no music or shit. It's just all devoted to him. Then I bring him to his grandma's, who's his grandma, the mother, his mom's mom, and he goes there. And so in that house, it smells like her and it looks like she would. And it's got his aunts and uncles and cousins. And so he goes there for a few days and I go crazy doing work and then I go pick him up. So it's on all the way or off <laughs> all the way. <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's just what I feel is the best way for me right now. And with that, too, you know, his um, you know, his, his mom is is Mexican and he's you know, he's learning his culture there as well. And it's just good for him to be there as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. So you said you recorded this album like you would perform it. And you mentioned going on the road. So, you know, with everything opening up, are you making plans now to take this take this out, the album out? Yeah, um, we have an LA show. I'm gonna announce, I don't know when this is coming out, but LA show is announced um, in September. And I have New York and Chicago being locked in right now i don't know with because what's going on in my life right now if i'm gonna go pack a van and go hit every city in between you know i got new york okay what's in between that go hit all those then chicago how how do we work that back to la because i've been a road dog my whole life everyone knows i've been touring crazy Mm -hmm. so i'm going to try to figure out to do more major city shit for a while while covid gets figured out and i'm learning this with my son europe is inevitable i'm gonna have to go there that's where a greater portion of my success is has happened and so um i'll figure it out as i go i i I just it'll it'll the right thing will happen yeah but i I can't wait to see people i honestly like um when i perform man it's like an hour i just get to not have to worry about shit i just get to do it you know and it's like um, whether the audience is there for me or not i do the same thing it's it's a it's a i never realized till it got ripped from us this year of how much it's a part of my well-being because I get to sweat and give it all and say things I might not say and 
be reserved in real life. And when I'm on that stage, I, I, I forget about all that. So I can't wait to do some shows and just connect for just for me. <laughs> and if I can give that to others and they can feel it, I, I know they will. And we'll all be helping each other out. So. Yeah. Well, we you know we caught that show right after we, we talked to you last and the energy was incredible, man. So I can't wait to see this again. The album is Unlearning Volume 1, out June 25th on every place you can listen to or buy music. Evidence, you know, one of my favorite MCs, period. I think one of the most consistent in the game. Uh, just continuing to get better every single year. It's like, it's incredible, man. So thank you again for joining us. Thank Big you for thanks. the lessons with the music. Yo, man, I, I feel I feel great that we got to talk. And y'all made my day. So love, man. Love, man. All right. Peace. Peace. Let's go. Yeah. I can go.